you need to be emotionally okay with the fact that you might lose everything or you might lose a lot, you know, like, like not just financially, but also in terms of your credibility as a person or as a business person or, or as a professional. Hello and welcome to the Creative Weirdo Podcast, because today's weirdo is tomorrow's genius. Today, my guest is Dominic Orphanus, a serial entrepreneur and business consultant. Even before I started freelancing a few years ago, I've had both a fear and a fascination with the idea of entrepreneurship. I see it as a kind of extreme sports version of earning a living. You have total independence on the one hand, but you also live and die by your decisions, figuratively speaking, of course. As someone who's often terrified by the idea of failure, I have a huge admiration for these daredevils who can consistently put their ideas into action with pretty slim chances of any reward or recognition. Dominic is a great example of someone who walks the talk. He's a boss who leads by example. I wanted to learn how he stays positive and proactive despite seeing his livelihood threatened by the pandemic. If you ever struggle to follow through with your vision, I think you'll find a lot of inspiration here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Dominic Orphanus. Thanks so much for joining us, Dominic. And maybe we could just start by just saying a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you and what do you do? Huh. All right. Easy one. Uh, I mean, it sounds easy, but uh, I, I just see that many people struggle with the pitch, how they should sell themselves. And I also started uh, really modest. Usually it's like I, I'm the father of four kids, a passionate hockey player. Now a bit, I would say, <laughs> not, not, not an active one because of my tennis elbow currently. And uh, I would say that I'm a serial entrepreneur, which I don't consider myself, but based on the track record, uh, there is some little evidence that I, I am driven by like the, the new ideas, the businesses, and I love to start things. I'm really passionate with starting things. I'm not very good in, uh, in finishing them or integrating. So that's why I need to have a lot of colleagues who are good at this. And uh, currently I'm the uh, founder and CEO of a travel company that's the third largest tour operator for Chernobyl ex- uh, exclusion zone in the world uh, and it's called Chernobyl welcome but we'll be uh, I don't know when this will get out but we'll be rebranding soon in a couple of months in uh, to X tours or Chernobyl X uh, as the leading brand we do also tours to Baikonur in Kazakhstan for the space rocket launches we do tours to North Korea and uh, also to Fukushima in Japan Fukushima zone and uh, we are looking for more of these kind of X destinations. And I have uh, some kind of lists, which I will not uh, be sharing yet. But maybe uh, during the year, you will see some, some new destinations popping up. And as since we are uh, recording this in the midst of uh, the COVID crisis, or let's call it the pandemic, or pick any word you like, 
we are very slow in traveling. So basically we are, we are stuck. I would say that we are, we are frozen. We are hibernating with a company. So uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a part-time in uh, my company as well. And uh, the other half of the time I'm using for helping my friends who are having running businesses to help them to scale, scale up with the entrepreneurial operating system, which sounds, I know, very, very boring, but it's actually the structure that I use for my business and for my creativity to see finally some results. And uh, this, this EOS, it's an American system of running your business and it's the most holistic and most simple way how to run a business that I have found. <laughs> so that's in a nutshell, I don't know if-, if Yeah, no, it. that's great. I think, so I think I'd love to dive into both of those like Chernobyl Welcome and, and the EOS thing. Uh, but maybe like before we get into that, maybe we could just kind of dial back the clock a little bit. And I just want to hear a little bit about what were you like as a kid and how did, I'm, I'm curious about how your development into this sort of entrepreneurial interest, was that something that started at a young age or is it something that kind of just suddenly happened at some point? Okay. So uh, uh, looking back into my childhood, I would say that I always loved changes. I always loved challenges and, and putting myself out of my comfort zone. Uh, and uh, I love to try new things, sometimes even uh, a bit dangerous, I would say. And I'll, I mean, looking back from, from today's perspective, of course. Uh, but like regarding business, I would say the first, the very first experience was when I was around the age of five or six. So I was barely, I, I barely knew how to write something down. So, uh, so together with my cousin who already knew how to write down something, uh, we collected a lot of uh, car magazines that were stuck in uh, our neighbor's uh, uh, somewhere in his shelf. And he was just giving it out, you know, like, like this is scrap paper and you can use it for whatever you want. And it was very nice. There were, you know, like the cars, you know, that was back in, I don't know, 1989 or whatever. Uh, and uh, what I did, I, as, since we were transitioning from, uh, from uh, Czechoslovakia, uh, like the, the communist Czechoslovakia into the federal Czechoslovakia and later to Slovakia, Slovakia so splitting the Republic. So you, was I'm, it Bratislava you grew up? Yes, exactly. Yep. In Bratislava, mm -hmm. in the capital of Slovakia. And uh, I remember I needed to change the, the sum and the currency on the magazine so I can resell them. So, so then my, my, my cousin was doing all the nice things with his pen there and it looked crappy, you know, like we were kids, six, seven years old. And uh, then we were just putting it on a, on a wheelbarrow kind of thing. And we were going around uh, a, a village that we are having a cottage in. So my father actually was born there. And uh, we were going around this small village and we were just offering it to people, you know, on the street, like, hey, would you like to buy some car magazine? I mean, it's a bit old, you know, but anyway, I mean, it's a good price. So I did this with 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 few other like newspapers, like, and, and we earned some money. It, it, it's astounding. I, I don't know, probably the people were just saying, looking like, oh, poor kids, you know, like, let's give them some, some money. Uh, and they didn't need it for sure. But that was kind of like start with my entrepreneurial career at that time. And it was totally wrong because I was not looking at the needs of the customer, you know, of the people where I was kind of like, very selfish driven just to see some traction or maybe money. I don't know what, what was the motivation back then. And, uh, and then I, I saw it also uh, during my like, like school years that I was, uh, 
you know, the joker of the class kind of thing, you know, like making fun all the time. So, so it, it, was, it was fun. I mean, especially my, my uh, classmates were having a lot of fun with me, but sometimes it was too much for the teachers. And I remember I, I got to a point where I was almost fired from a, from a secondary school. And I remember crying at the, at the principal's, you know, office. I was like, no, I don't want to leave. No, I will be good already and everything. Uh, and, uh, and just going going further further with uh, with some business ideas. Then at the university, I was uh, organizing some parties or some conferences. Um, then I was at some point I I established with a friend of mine who got freshly divorced uh, a seduction school. That was the first seduction school here in Slovakia. That, that again, like something that I I'm not super proud of. Like I, my, my kids maybe don't even know it. Uh, but we were really like trying to bring this taboo topic uh, to to men and then to women as well. And I mean, my friend got married. I got married, so we were we closed down the business after I don't know <laughs> what, two years. So so it was just uh, just some some fun, fun fun along the way. And then I, I I tried a lot of other things, projects, and most of them were failures. Uh, and still are. Uh, for example, the Benjamin Button as a, uh, the, the first wearable uh, intelligent camera for kids and parents was uh, a success on Kickstarter. However, we didn't take the money and we got bankrupt like maybe a year after the campaign and then uh, Google surpassing us with their camera, you know, so uh, that was that, that was basically a bankrupt, you know, or uh, I remember I got almost bankrupt when our first child uh, had to be born. That was, I don't know, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago when I was organizing at the, at the university a conference and a party. And I remember I put all my money in and yeah, it was a failure. And then I was like, wow, you, man, you just, you are, you know, you're expecting a baby. You need to take care of your family and hear what you do. So a lot of, a lot of, lot of these failures um, are actually the path to uh, something that we can call success. Uh, I don't want to put it in the, in the financial perspective, but I, I think a success is what you truly do and you, uh, you find fulfillment in there and probably Tom you know what I'm talking about because I think you are one of the persons I uh, one of the one of the people I know that uh, is is living basically your your dream right your 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 work is your passion and if we would have to choose we would probably do it also for free I mean yeah no for, absolutely and I, I think it's it's I, I definitely I would say I am I'm li- I've I've been feel like I've been living my dream job for 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 many years actually and but at the same time there's no such thing as perfection right and there's a sort of ideal of a sort of dream job or a dream life and you know I've had plenty of um you know downs as well as ups even though I wouldn't change my career for anything but I feel like you know what you're saying about failure is like sometimes we think about you know like a dream scenario is is life minus the failure right but I think that's like it's kind of a myth um I, I certainly don't know of anybody that has like gone through life without failing or if they have maybe they you know they they actually haven't really had any much of a life you know because it's kind of it's it's I think it's a maybe it's a sign of of the more you live or the more success you have you then you automatically have more failure as well it's like a sort of proportional thing perhaps but um yeah, I, I mean, um, Tom Magliosi said that happiness is expectation minus the reality. So uh, that's that's something that maybe we as creative people, we see things that are not existing 
And then when we go and get it, the reality is always different, you know, and usually it's, it's worse than, than better. And, and this is maybe a point where you can get frustrated. You can like lose the energy. You can lose the passion and momentum. And I would say momentum is, is the big driver uh, of, of if you can do something in the long run. So uh, even like getting there, getting to any of your, I don't know, dreams or let's call it goals or whatever, you just find out that, oh, fine, we, are, we arrived and this is it. You know? so, so then when you look back, I mean, the way was the, the, the thing that you were actually looking for. Your soul was, was, get, was, was needing this, this experience. And the result, whether it's a success or failure, I mean, that's, uh, that's at the end of the day, a byproduct basically. Mm-hmm. It, when just what you're saying there brings to mind uh do you, are you aware of the the concept of uh the infinite versus finite game is something that simon sinek talks about um you know just that idea that there's kind of there's two ways that you can approach i mean you can approach anything like a you know project or life in general either as a, a finite game where it's like a, a game with rules and a, and a sort of a fixed amount like a like a limited resource or, or a finishing line which kind of leads to this sort of scarcity mindset and a, and a sort of uh, zero sum game where it's where it's all about just trying to uh, hoard or or just kind of protect. It's kind of more fear based. And then the infinite game is is basically the recognition that there isn't actually a finish line. There is no sort of real. The you can set up rules within this infinite game, but it never ends. There's no point where it sort of stops and you get to like take your winnings and you know you win and I win and you lose or whatever, right? It's just like a constant process, and I find that a really useful like way of looking at things, especially if I'm getting super hung up on you know one particular project or one particular, which I do a lot actually. You know, just. I'll see something at some point in the future. And I think, well, as long as I, once I can do that, once that's done, then I can be happy or then I can relax or whatever, you know, and then you get there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I did that. But now there's something else, right? There's always another thing on the horizon. So it's like, but it's, it's easy to sort of, I think the, the mind likes to think in terms of that finite game when it's really just uh, it's just kind of a a made up thing, isn't it? Like there's no, there is no finishing line and none of us know when it's going to end. None of us know it's, it's all going to end for us at some point. Right. But there's no like fixed uh, date or anything. It's just, just, uh, it's just one big kind of flow. But, um, and the the goal of the, of the uh, infinite games is to actually stay in the game. So it's uh, also the game of business. Is the goal of it? It's to stay in the game. That's it. And the, the the aim of the game is to prolong the game rather than to finish the game, right? Which really should be like. I mean, that's kind of what we want, right? We want to live long. We don't want, really want to finish our lives, do we? We want to. You think about it. You'd rather have a long life than a short life. That's like, quote unquote, successful. I think most people would anyway. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> A couple of things, like, so you said, you talked about going bank- bankrupt there. So you've been, you've been like officially bankrupt once you say, and then almost bankrupt another time or. Yeah, but it was not official. Like I would be going to my bank, like I cannot like pay the mortgage, but it was very close to, to uh, not seeing any savings and stuff like that. So, uh, so, and I, and I think I was, I was hitting this edge several times in my life. Uh, actually, I'm not coming from a very, rich background i would say so i i am uh, i really value the background i'm from so i i'm i i'm i understand that i'm the one person of the population in the, in the on the planet earth 
but my parents were never like extra wealthy. So I started to my first work. I started working when I was 14. Uh, and then uh, all the summers, basically, I was not having a summer where I was actually enjoying the summer. So I was working usually somewhere in the construction works or I was going for work and travel program to US uh, to earn some money. Uh, but yeah, but, but again, it, it, I, I never felt like, oh, uh, I have like, you know, this, this, this financial pillow that I can always rely on, or I can come back to my parents and ask for more or something like that. So no, no, no. So never the case. Mm. It's interesting. Cause I think a lot of people like myself included, like the idea of going bankrupt is like terrifying. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that from what I understand, there's, there's quite a lot of people in the sort of entrepreneurial world who have been, you know, at least if not bankrupt, then, you know, sort of close on, on a few occasions and it seems like there's a certain kind of mindset there that um allows you to like take those kind of risks is it something that just sort of happened were you, were you wary of it beforehand or why do you think that's part of the, the entrepreneurial game I, I don't know if it happens to everybody i i probably don't know any business person who was not uh down at some point uh, and maybe really on the edge and some people i've I, I know that they were kind of like behind the edge, really like leveraging financially or whatever. Uh, and I think it's a part of the experience. So you cannot level up without hitting the bottom in, in, in some situations and failing, basically. This is how we learn as people. And just to get back to uh, the fact that, that it happens to business people and actually you are, that you need to be emotionally okay with the fact that you might lose everything or you might lose a lot you know like like not just financially but also in terms of your credibility as a person or as a business person or or as a professional and what i found very helpful is the stoics uh and and living the stoic life i, I mean i am not a stoic i, I don't live it 100 percent, but but i'm trying to incorporate something that is that is helping me. So for example, from time to time, and now it's almost the majority of the, the, the days of the week, I'm sleeping on the floor. So I don't sleep in a bed, I sleep on the floor, which is the worst case scenario. So I tried it once. I was like, maybe I should try, like, what is the worst case scenario? If I lose my home, what can happen? So I can sleep on the, on the floor. And it was okay. Actually, now my back uh, doesn't hurt because I'm sleeping more on, on, the, on the floor than on the bed. Uh, then also not using technology. Uh, so I, I was having this stoic week where I, where I got rid of all the technologies. Uh, it was the last week of Alt MBA that we did together last year. So actually using my computer was the only exception for the last week. And it was the prompt that we did, I think on Tuesday. So I started it on Monday. So I was not using electronics, like none of the technologies, not even the car. Um, and I live in the forest, so I needed to commute somewhere when I was having a meeting that was upfront, you know, arranged and I couldn't change it. Like like in the back, uh, a good, uh, uh, good uh, old days when we were not having cell phones. And uh, and this was, again, the, the worst case scenario. And it was, it felt very good, actually. I was, you know, uh, having clear mind, you know, I was not bombarded with some media and with some news or with the radio, whatever, all these noises that, uh, I think they are, they are defocusing you from your path and also at the same time, uh, maybe uh, poisoning your, your um, ideas in the sense that, that you are uh, 
I wouldn't say becoming a realist, but maybe a realist as, as well, but also pessimist, you know, because we are we are overloaded with the with the bad news. And also, if you look around and uh, today I was just standing in the line for getting a COVID test, you know, and everybody in front of me and, and, and behind me were complaining, you know, that they are standing there and what the government is doing and blah, 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 you know. So I started to meditate, you know, just not to hear these voices because it's, is it helping me in this situation? I, I would say like, not at all. Uh, so going back to your original question, uh, like I think it's a part, it's a part of the path. So uh, whoever wants to go and, and be successful entrepreneurial, you need to be ready that that they will there will be more failures than successes along the way. Awesome. Do you have any notes like for in terms of stoicism? Like, if there's, do you have any particular books or kind of resources that that you've like found helpful that other people might be able to tap into if they if they're interested i'm very bad in memorizing the name so i don't remember the the author it was mike somebody who wrote this uh, book uh, I, I think it's kind of like modern stoic book it's uh, 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 the subtle art of not giving a fuck oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name i know him too hansen no manson mark manson yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right, right. Yeah, and I was I was reading, and that really helped me in the clarity of like what I'm doing. Uh, was the book on um, uh, simplifying? Oh my goodness, how was that one called? Whew. All right, maybe minimal minimalism. Minimalism. Yeah, yeah. Minimalism. I think. Book, it, yeah, yeah, but, but I don't remember this. The, the author, a very nice book. I was just reading it on my sabbatical, and I was like, oh wow, this is like very very simple and very useful mm-hmm. and also when uh, i'm listening to the podcast like like uh tim ferris speaks a lot uh, about uh, stoics mm-hmm. uh, but I, I i didn't read any classic yet so mm-hmm. this is something i didn't touch yet so, and maybe this is a, a, this is a, a point where where you you the dear listener can start you know just reading some seneca or marcus aurelius or somebody who was practicing this stoicism mm-hmm. and wrote the, the the foundations of it yeah, I, I'll, I can put some like links maybe in the show notes. There's another one, uh, Ryan Holiday, "Obstacle Is the Way." That's a that's oh, one. I, I that's, a, that's, a, that's a good that's a good like intro, I think, right to, to stoicism in general because he's like oh, yeah. this big stoicism kind of nerd who's read everything and then kind of translates it into a sort of modern context. But um, but yeah, that's I. I I really like that. I that just that concept of sort of being prepared for failure. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, I think so often it's the case where so much stress and anxiety kind of comes from, I feel it comes from kind of pushing away the idea of failure, like not actually wanting to, uh, you know, think about it or look at it or whatever. And maybe that, that failure never happens, but you know, sometimes I think it's actually worse to not fail, but just to be kind of gripped by the fear of it. You know, some, in some cases, I don't know if you agree, but some, sometimes it's better to, to actually just kind of dive straight in and f- kind of hit the worst case scenario and then realize it's actually not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Actually, we, we suffer a lot from just thinking about the failures and what is the worst case scenario. And I mean, just, just, we are, we are uh, I don't know, 10 months uh, in the, in the COVID crisis and everybody was, you know, like afraid, fearful, frustrated. I mean, uh, and, and, and so far the people I have around and what I see and perceive, and I actually, I, I'm uh, in the middle of the, the, the group of either entrepreneurs or even the, the team that, that we, that we had. 
and the people were very hard hit. Uh, it's it's not not as bad as we thought before. So it's it's actually there is no war. People are I mean they, of course they are dying, uh, but I mean we don't see this uh, Armageddon that was described maybe in the, or, or that we thought will be coming in the first uh, or in the last weeks of March or in the first weeks of April. You know so. So I think we are suffering a lot just in our imagination. And actually the worst case scenario, your failure isn't that bad at all. Totally. Who was it that said, uh, there's nothing to fear, but fear itself? That's a that's a famous quote, right? <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah, but I, I heard it already. Yeah, but totally. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like the, it's always the fear of failure rather than the, when the actual experience of failure in hindsight is often much less uh yeah it, it's nothing like the, the how bad it can be when you're imagining it in the future right like uh, it's just how the mind works i guess so um i would love to you i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your process so you've you've launched like a a, a bunch of projects i don't know how if you can like count how many you've 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 launched but like what what does that process look like how does it get from you know, where, where does the idea come from? And then how do you, how do you decide if that's something you want to act on? And, and what does that process look like? Mm -hmm. And this was, I mean, I, I didn't have, or I maybe up, up till now, I don't have a kind of process in, in processing the idea. I have my own filter for ideas that I, I'm, I'm trying to use a lot because this is giving me more clarity because I have a bunch of ideas. I mean, if I, if I would just open now my ideas section in my Evernote, I mean, we can do, just go on and on and like look for, oh, this looks nice. This is, you know, all, all, all of it I consider as a shiny stuff. And this is also coming from an experience because I would say, I would say yes to, to every opportunity out there. Uh, and, uh, and this is, this is not the right way, of course. So, uh, if I have an idea, I, I write it down because, I mean, our brains were created not to like remember things, but to create things. So that's why I'm trying to empty my head every now and then. I do it at least every once a week. I, I, I called it mind sweep. So I put everything that I have in my head, I just put it in my Evernote. Uh, and then I'm looking at the ideas. I'm putting it there and I leave them to sit there for two, three, maybe five, seven days. And if I'm still kind of thrilled or, or still excited about the idea, I come back to it and I start to brainstorm a little bit. I, I either do some mind mapping or I just write down what is uh, what I have some thoughts. It, it sometimes even happens during the meditation. I don't know how this is happening, but I'm, when I'm meditating, you know, the ideas are coming up and uh, I need to grab my phone and just write down something that is that I know that I will not remember after the meditation. So I, I, I do a little pause and I write it down. Uh, and, and then I'm going deeper and deeper into if I, if I will do some kind of uh, minimal viable product that I would like to test. It can, it can, be, it can range from a, a Google ad, from a Facebook ad, from uh, some prototype that I can just give to some of my friends. And, uh, and this was the case lately with the scented stickers for your mask. So, uh, so just, just to make the story simple, I realized that, that the biggest obstacle in, in wearing the mask in the public and in your at work on basically, basically everywhere with the COVID situation is the smell, you know, so you don't, you don't have a fresh air inside. So what I did, I, I started to use scented uh, essential oils and, and put it on a sticker on a, on a, on a like, uh, fluffy thing that, that is holding the oil 
And it's, it was amazing. You know, I created it for myself. Then for the kids, they started to wear it to school. They were handing it over to their classmates. And then I gave it to some of my family members. And then I was spreading it to my friends. And I was getting a very, very good feedback. So that was, okay, there is, there is probably something about it. And so we started to uh, fine-tune the, the product that took, I don't know, a, a month or so. And then I started to produce it together with my cousin. That's the other cousin that was not the one that was uh, writing down the, uh, the price tags. And, uh, and we were starting to offering it. Uh, and what we saw, we were just giving samples. So the people were likely to get samples, even like the businesses, but they were not getting back to you like, oh yes, let's order it. And I remember we were calling them like, oh, it's, it's nice, but you know, it's not a must have, you know, it's, it's nice to have and, and then you forget about it. So it took me, I don't know, maybe two months to realize that this is, this is probably not the path uh, for the, we call it masticers, for the masticers to go. So I, I left it, I mean, for, for the people who want, they can still order it, but I'm not paying almost any attention to it. So this is for me, uh, failure in terms of like business. So investing some money and my time and my colleagues time and, and uh, into uh, trying it out. But there was a big learning, you know, for me. So I was not doing cold calls in a long time. So this was doing cold calls again. This was offering, you know, this was kind of like tweaking the product. So I never, I, I never tweaked the product like in, in a matter of weeks, basically. So this was very simple and, and it was a great experience, but leading probably to nowhere. And maybe somebody calls me tomorrow and will make an order for a million pieces for, I don't know, some, some big corporation and it will, I will, I will need to call you and say, Oh, I need to change my mind. It was a success actually, but I don't think so. So, so it was, it was a, an experience. And again, probably a failure. There's a couple of parts that are like, I just think it's really fascinating. your like the way that you approach that, because one part is there's a, there is a big sort of in, investment of effort, I don't know how much in terms of financial, but certainly in terms of your own time and effort, you're, if you're, especially if you're like co-calling people, that's like, that's a difficult thing to do. And it's, and it involves quite a lot of, um, you need a lot of motivation, I think, to be able to do that kind of thing. And a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that even if, uh, or would find it very difficult, even if it was something that was like, you know, they knew it was going to be like, make them a fortune. I think, you know, I would still struggle with that, just getting over that boundary of, of actually like reaching out to people because it's kind of a vulnerable thing to do, right? And it's sort of, there's a lot of uh, mental barriers to that. So there's, there's putting that. And then there's also the aspect of like knowing when to quit is another thing that I think is very difficult. Like I'm keen to get your perspective on like, how do you know when to sort of call it a day or, or when to move on from something? Because I, I think a lot of people can get, really attached to their ideas right especially once there's a sunk cost once there's like a little bit of investment whether it's financial or, or effort it's like this thing of sunk cost where well i've put this time and this money in now so no i may as well just i have to just go all the way and then we can get into this thing of of just kidding yourself right of being in denial and and, and pushing deeper and deeper and and sort of getting into trouble with it so how do you know like how do you keep that detachment and and make the decision okay i'm just gonna leave this one now mm -hmm. that's a great question tom and i and i don't know if i have an answer for that because maybe this uh scented mask stickers were the first thing where i i really felt i'm not emotionally or i tried not to be emotionally attached since as visionaries or creative people, we, we really fall in love with our own ideas, which is, 
I mean, the, the path to the, to hell. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if what helped me, maybe the, the, the book that I read is called The Surrender Experiment, where it was very nicely described that you need to be need to be ready to lose it all. I mean, even your ideas, your business. And if you are ready to lose it all, then you make the best decisions. And uh, I was, I mean, I mean, I was in love with a lot of ideas that we were pursuing. It was the festival or the the merchandise and and stuff like that. You know, all looking very nice, but not bringing any results. And and maybe actually I'm in a, in a situation right now because, for example, uh, the business. I mean, Chernobyl Welcome, the travel agency, is not making any money. It's actually uh, we are we are losing money every month and we are actually spending our own savings so we don't touch the customer's money and we were refunding everybody who wanted to refund so we were refunding and and you know and it's already it's it's more than a year that we are in red numbers because you are having the seasonality so we were going actually from off season straight into this cataclysmic situation in terms of tourism and uh, and it's and it stops making sense, you know, after some time to keep the business because you don't see any results, you will not see any results, and then you just—it's about how you believe it will uh, it will uh, be in the future, or how you can how you can influence it, and probably what is holding me uh, attached to this current business to to Chernobyl is that I have the experience. So I saw how it was before. I saw the, the track record. I saw that we were able to grow 100% every year. It was growing even 100% when I was having sabbatical the whole year. And it's it was probably uh, the, the, the biggest part of it is thanks to people and thanks to the system, the, the entrepreneurial operating system that we are running, which is giving us a lot of clarity. So when there is just the slightest chance that the people will be traveling again, I I... I I don't see a reason why it wouldn't be going uh, up the scale again. And uh, well, uh, this said, I have no idea when to say no to to your idea. Like after 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 what 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 you should do. What it's helping me now a little bit is to to write down before I I will pursue the idea to write down what are the conditions. So for example, if I will have ten customers, I will invest into this. If I ha- will have this, I don't know this deal or this amount of revenues i will invest into this so so making uh very clear rules for yourself and then stick to it um this would be probably something that that i would i I, that i'm trying to use i'm not very good at it so so it's something that i it's it's again a framework that you are coming up with and you need to stick to it uh in order to 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 make it work right so there's no like there's no kind of there's no real measuring stick as it were it's more just the kind of being able to take a step back and just sort of reappraise every sort of on a, on a regular basis and just sort of decide what's uh, what's working and what isn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I have again every every week or every other week uh, a clarity break that is giving that, that it, I'm trying to detach myself from everything I do and uh, and try to 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 have a burst view on things that I'm working on right now and if it still makes sense and, and again mind mapping and uh, and going back to the rules so for example for testing of any idea I have a rule of like 1000 euros so I, I will invest 1000 euro into an idea when I really see that there is a potential and it will be either I don't know Google ads or Facebook ads or Instagram ads uh, and to see what is the what is the outcome of the 1,000 euro? What is the like what is the perspective I can I can count on 
it's like it's like making an investor from from yourself basically looking very uh, skeptical on things you know and and like seeing figures instead of emotions and friends telling you oh yes this is brilliant oh i love this you know so so i mean one thing is the is the nice words that you get and the other thing is the, the results usually numbers because numbers don't lie so having a kind of little scorecard which actually sounds scary for like having a personal scorecard but but something that you can refer to when you are uncertain and you are uh, you are not certain certain most of the time you know most of the time you are kind of like oh is it true i thought that it's different you know and should i do this or this so then it's good to have rules maybe a mentor is good as well i mean i'm, I'm trying to especially with the, the skeptics the, the skeptic friends that i have i'm trying to call them or meet with them and, and discuss this idea because they see the blind spots that i don't see because i'm you know a visionary and i can see 10 years in front of me but i don't see you know the, the next day and they see it do you ever get protective about that you know like asking for feedback because I, I know for for myself personally and I think a lot of uh, creative people it's we know that feedback is good but it's not always easy to ask for it or it's not always easy to take like it do you ever get that like sort of resistance to to to, to feedback or are you just kind of like uh you know do you just take it in your stride <laughs> it's it's always like it hurts you know it hurts yeah. i mean it's very painful if you if you hear some some i mean you can we can call it criticism but there is one big truth that that people always criticize uh things that that matter to them you know so so i always take it from the point of view that the, the person cares about me or about the idea or about the product so that's why he or she's saying this and uh I write it down, uh, not all of the feedback I, I take that yeah, this is 100% sure, so I try to test it. And if I hear something twice or three times, it's becoming, you know, this, this observation that I have, have not seen. But I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm good in, uh, in accepting the feedback and, and act according to it. Because one thing is accepting it and, and listen to it. Yes, of course, of course, of course. And then like act upon what you've learned. So I, I don't know if I'm good at it. I'm still learning a lot. I think even just asking for it is is a, is probably the hardest part. I think, at least for me, it's just like you know, the the easiest thing is to not ask for any feedback, right? Because unless I know the person's gonna like it, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'd rather not hear anything bad about this thing that I just did, you know, because it's gonna make me feel <laughs> you're bad. You're totally you're totally right, and I have one more one more bias because I I love to make surprises for people. I I don't know how it comes but but since my childhood i love to surprise surprise and this is my uh, my language of love or, or call it whatever you like and so this is also the tendency in the company so i have an idea of like, for example how to make a video you know and i i will i, I said, said to myself i will surprise the people i will do it you know and i will show them how to make a good video and i do it and then i expect oh praise me you know and then all the criticism comes like oh maybe you shouldn't tell about our competition maybe you shouldn't be like doing this and this and you are having uh, a lot you're using a lot of filler words and all these things and i was like uh-huh wow okay so maybe next time I, I need to give you a chance to give me a feedback before actually i record and put a lot of energy into it so yeah but i suppose there's also that iteration thing right is that like now that you've if you hadn't have made those mistakes in the first place then you probably wouldn't have learned the lesson as 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 deeply 
maybe? Uh, yes, that, that might be true. On the other hand, if you're investing a lot of time uh, into something that could be avoided, so you could have the feedback beforehand, that would save you, I mean, time and energy and you can level up, actually, you can level up maybe even faster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like seeking out the feedback, like all the time, I guess, like even before, before you start like getting those reference points. Um, I think that's some, I mean, I think there's a lot there that's really useful for creatives in the sort of design and, and art industries and stuff like that, because I think there's a tendency to kind of get really deep into a project. Like once, you know, once that sort of creative process starts, there's almost like, uh, I can, well, I can only really speak for myself, but there's a sort of thing of like, right, this is, this is my sort of creative process now. So I'm just going to like disappear from the world and I'm going to kind of dive into it. And it's obviously there's, there's points where you have to get reference points and, you know, especially if you're working with clients and, and all that kind of stuff, but it can be difficult to, to sort of constantly pull myself out of that, like deep, sort of immersion in the work and get these reference points all the time. Like, and, 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 but I find that the more I I'm able to sort of set boundaries, uh, you know, guidelines and frameworks and all that stuff, it starts to take away some of the, the stress and the anxiety of making the wrong decisions and stuff like that, because you can actually cut down on the amount of, I mean, there's always an infinite number of decisions to be made, right. Especially with creatively and you get more and more into details and, and there's always a point of overwhelm where there's too many decisions to be made. And, and at some point you, you can't really, all of your decisions suck because you've used up your, like, you know, your, your decision-making energy for the day. So the more you can actually like, beforehand like set down okay i'm going to work within these boundaries and i'm going to set these and and set that in stone before you start like setting uh you know like a budget number um i think you know that sounds like and and sort of making that like sacred it sounds like a really good way of um sort of safeguarding against that like just kind of going in too deep right going going over the the deep end with it yeah, down the rabbit hole and then you find out like like there is no way out almost I, uh what i mean you are a very creative person and you are working on maybe on the other spectrum that i that i am so i'm i'm when i'm working with artists in terms of like uh designers or visual artists and stuff like that uh first of all i don't have i don't have expectations that they will be on time so this is this this <laughs> became something like just don't expect them to be on time if you would like to have a quality work. So I, I think I met only one designer who was on time with some stuff. So I always have this kind of like buffer that I, I know that I have to tell him that it will be, that it needs to be done by next Friday, but I know that I, I have another week, you know, uh, for the deadline. And uh, what, what I found really good when the artist is, is, is kind of like asking some something along the way you know like for example he's sharing with me his mood board that was you know that was a completely new world and and i was like oh wow cool maybe i would include maybe even this brand or i would i would maybe uh tell you to to find an inspiration over here and there uh and then then what i found very good is that there are some alternatives so we as business people we love to we don't like boundaries in terms of like we need to go only this path but if you give them a choice like this is one direction I'm thinking about and this is the other. So which one would you recommend me to go further? Uh, and, and, and he or she, I think would give you some, based on his experience or his his thoughts on how, or how he knows the customer, 
will give you a clear direction. Oh, maybe it's the third one, you know, so it's somewhere in the middle. I think that's a really, it's a really good way of communicating between, you know, a creative and a client, I think for both sides, because that I think what often happens, like a lot of the, the sort of communication problems that happen when, when we have like creatives working for, for business clients or whatever, there's, there's just a, they're coming from very different perspectives, right? So there's always going to be a, a difference or, or a gap between the way the client sees it and the way the artists see it. And I, I mean, ideally you have a good match in the beginning. So there's already a bit of alignment there, but there's always going to be sort of difference in, in, you know, in the way that the language that people use and, and even just the words, you know, we can both be using the same words, but have a different picture in our minds when we're using it. Right. So, so like putting it into like breaking it into like specific choices, like A, B or C, I think that is a really good way of, of making sure that things are on the right track and, and you're not like thinking it completely cross purposes. And um, yeah, so I, I think that's a, it's another thing that kind of goes into that, that, that sort of boundaries and systems and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So and while we're on that, like I would love to hear more about this entrepreneurial operating system, because I think it's something, well, I'd love to hear you talk about it, but it also, if there's anyone listening here who's like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm, you know, I'm just a designer, a motion designer or, or whatever it is. Like, I think there's a lot to be learned from these kind of structures, which are maybe on the surface, like the idea of structure sounds like it's anti-creative or it's like, you know, not, it's, it's sort of restrictive, but in my experience, it's like, it's actually the restrictions or the structures that, allows the creativity like in a, in a sort of world of infinite possibilities there's no there, there's no form and everything is just kind of just abstract so it's it's kind of like the creative process for me is about blending that sort of pure abstraction of imagination and combining it with some physical structure to to actually create something in the world rather than just having like a um otherwise it's just an idea right it's just a daydream so um, could you talk talk more about this uh, entrepreneurial operating system? Right. Uh, so just to follow up, I think vision without traction is just a hallucination. And most of the time, it starts with the vision. So you need to have a strong vision so you can you can clearly see that your product or your service is creating a value for the customer. And I uh, and I think part of why we are still after the 12 years uh, doing probably one of the best tours in the world, at, at least from the feedback that we hear and that you can read on TripAdvisor is also because I still guide. So I'm going to Chernobyl and I still guide and I have the, the firsthand experience with the customer. So I can, I can really relate how the, how the customer's uh, preferences or, or, or concerns are changing I can react to it or, or I can maybe even anticipate them, you know, based on, based on the talks and how we and becoming friends with them. And uh, the EOS is, uh, is, I would sum it up, is the best thing that I, I encountered during my life as a businessman. It's a framework uh, made, in, uh, made by Gino Wickman, who wrote the book, actually, it's called Traction. So I, I think the, the book is having a great title uh, based on what it, what it does. And it's really putting uh, all your resources, all the, uh, all the cap capital that you have, the human capital, into a framework, into a structure 
that is finally giving it the, the traction part. So, so we are a very creative company, but, but without the uh, priorities, without really setting the goals for at least the quarter and then sticking to it, we would be derailed all the time. I mean, we would be going off track and we were going off track. We were, we were not seeing any results back in the Benjamin Button in the, in the startup. Uh, basically, because we didn't we didn't have any order, any any framework, and EOS is the most holistic system that I have found, and actually the, the simplest one. So it it works, for, I, I would say even for like monkeys, and I'm not very structured person. So I'm as you as you can hear, I'm a visionary more of this like the creative side, and when I started to use EOS in the company, things started to this things, things started to change abruptly. My vision, uh, what, what I'm good at. Uh, started to be much stronger because I started to share it with the people much, uh, I would say, uh, more often and, and actually more into depth. And I was even eager to hear their part of the vision. So, so actually we were tweaking the vision or also the mission based on the inputs from the leadership team. So many of the, of the parts of our core values, mission, vision, and maybe uh, the marketing strategy, they are not coming from, from this head. It's, it's coming from somebody else who is better in what he does than I am and and that's that's a blessing actually and with EOS I was able to create a true leadership team uh, so we were having the accountability uh, like divided very efficiently so there were just very few blind spots uh, where where there was an issue coming and and we we were not sure how to solve it and who should be solving it uh, and uh, this EOS is having six parts, and I will not go into detail into it, but it's, uh, I, would, I, would give it, I, I would rather give it a metaphor. So EOS, it's uh, for the company the same as, as you are having uh, a program and uh, a diet when you are doing fitness or bodybuilding or, or yoga, something that you really, where, where you want to see some goals. And EOS is giving you this, this program and this nutrition that you have to put into if you would like to be in the top 5% of the companies in the world. And it's, I mean, it's, it's it, it, just having the, the, the program, how you should train and how you should, uh, and, and, and your diet, it, it will not make you the top 5%. You really need to have the discipline and stick to it and give it a chance for at least, I don't know, three or six months, and then you will start to see results. And this said, I mean, it takes, it takes, two years if you are implementing EOS in your company to make it to the 5% of the top companies, at least two years. Uh, I have a friend who, who did it in four years, uh, but actually it's worth, it's again, it's, it's, uh, it's giving your ideas and your business some framework that is easy to pass. So actually I was, I was really having not a hard time to leave the company for a year. It was still growing 100%. And the same would be if I would need to sell it. So I would just hand over like with a, with a used car. So here are the keys. It's called EOS and just, just use it, drive safely. And this is it. The EOS works for, I don't know, for startups. It works for, for people with thousand people with, I don't know, hundred millions in revenues. I'm not really sure how it would uh, work with an individual, for example, for a freelancer. I mean, certain parts for sure. But what I found more uh, efficient is the GTD um, so that's the getting things done method. It's again, very simple, just few steps. If you stick to them, I mean, your personal productivity, productivity, I mean, both in terms of your personal life, but, but also in your professional life will skyrocket. And this is, this is 
the formula that I use today. So I'm, I'm, I'm combining EOS, that's the company framework with the GTD that I'm using as a person, how to uh, put things in order and priority and how to empty your head. Also the, the, the mind sweep is coming from the GTD. Uh, and I and I started to do meetings with myself. So I mean, that's the most important meeting of the of the week. I'm having it's called uh, the weekly review. I'm just sitting down with myself uh, at a cup of coffee, and I'm really putting everything that I uh, I need from my head into my Evernote, and sorting it out, making it a priority, planning the the next week. And uh, and from this, I mean, this is such a blessing because I can come back home with an empty head to my kids, to my four kids and play with them without thinking about what is left on the table. Awesome. Could you give a little description of that, that getting things done? Like what it just like a sort of simple overview of how that works. Uh, well, I'm not really sure if I can, if I can describe the steps uh, not, not to, uh, in order not to breach the. All oh, right. Gotcha. You're right. Uh, but I mean, you can find a book. It's uh, called GTD by Paul Allen. And I mean, Paul Allen is now a, a, a worldwide uh, corporation that is making trainings and workshops around the globe. Uh, but just, just by reading this book, you can, you can try to implement these simple steps. I think there are just six simple steps that you have to follow. And uh, I mean, there is uh, one thing I can definitely share is the two minute rule. So whatever you can do in two minutes, just do it now. Don't just don't wait for it. Uh, I, I don't even write it down. So uh, so I just do whatever it takes in two minutes and, and the rest I need to really plan because otherwise you will just you will just get lost in the in the in the world of think think uh, uh, how you call it in English, the the, the fluffiness or uh, the thick and thin things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fluffiness works for me. I've I got plenty of fluffiness going on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If we were to sort of really take a, a broad view uh, of of this of GTD and and the, the EOS as well, like the 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 core principle of it seems to be is like sort of breaking things apart and and sort of itemizing, uh, you know what what the resources you have and and sort of how best to allocate them would that be like a accurate description in a, obviously in a, a very very superficial sense yeah i would say so so uh so the metaphor i used before so having the the training program and having the diet uh that's probably the, the best description because i mean eos uh is giving you uh, the framework, which muscles you need to focus on in order to become the bodybuilder or Mr. Olympia. Uh, then it gives you also the, the habits that, that you need to incorporate or the principles, I would say, into your company. So, so you will have the right diet and everybody in the company will have the right diet. And then if you uh, th then to be more productive as a person, so a part of the of the whole machine uh, of the company, so this, so this little wheel, to be more productive, I would use GTD, which is, I would say, more about the time management. Let's uh, to put it in a simple way. Right. One of the things that I I think is is fascinating about these kind of tools and and things aimed at sort of businesses is I always think that you know if stop if something's true at one level, it's true at other levels too, and I think that stuff that works for companies, you know, is the same principles apply on a personal level. Obviously, like some of the details will be different and maybe some of the, you know, the, the sort of 
certain things are, are more important in terms of a company, but in terms of an individual. But, but I do think like, I think of myself as kind of a little company in a way. Cause yeah. like, you know, there's all these different parts, there's all these different needs and wants and um, different kind of personalities almost. It's like, um, I haven't actually read the book, but I don't know if there's, if you're, if you, you're familiar with a book called, um, thinking six thinking hats i think it's by edward de bono he's like he wrote also wrote lateral thinking so he's kind of like he wrote a lot of stuff about creativity and ideas and stuff like that and but the as i understand it the basic gist of it is he breaks apart like all these there's all these different types of thinking you know like emotional thinking and logical thinking and all that stuff so so it's kind of like this system where when you're 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 having a meeting or if you're on your own and thinking about something you like deliberately put on one hat so you say, okay, I'm just going to put on my emotional hat now and I'm only going to think about what the what my feelings are, but then I'm going to take it off and then I'm going to put on this other hat, which is, you know, about the, the logical stuff. And, and it's like all that stuff's going on all the time, but if we're not actually aware of it, it, it kind of becomes a little bit of sort of undefined and a bit abstract, right? And then we get a bit lost. I think it's very easy to get lost in and start being pulled unconsciously by different desires and you know like like the whole thing with you know sunk cost and and having a maybe having a business model that's that's going nowhere but being too invested in it to to actually see that because you because your emotional investment is is stronger than the logical view of of what's happening right so um yeah i think that's something that's you know really interesting for for anybody really, but also for, you know, I think specific, especially for, for creative people who we tend to, I think we tend to sort of shun anything that's like structural or kind of logical sometimes because it can seem like it's, it's sort of counterproductive to, to creativity when I think it's something that can really, for, for me personally, like I've, I've got a lot of, um, just a lot of benefit in many different ways in terms of productivity and most importantly in terms of my own like mental like space my own sense of well-being and I think like you mentioned it too like the fact that you do these like uh kind of brain dumps right where you just get everything on the page and then you can then you can leave it because you've you've like made it physical you've sort of extracted it from your brain and then you don't have to leave it running when you go home and spend time with your family and your and your kids would you agree that that's like it's not just about business it's also about well-being right it's also about mental health like do you find that 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 is also makes your life easier in in you know outside of just work i think so like like uh when I mean, the, after all, after every uh, EOS session that I was having with my mentor, Alexander from the Netherlands, I felt that I, ha I have a grip on the business. So, I, so actually I have a control, which, which you don't have this feeling most of the time as a, as a businessman, you know, you, you just are guessing, you know, and, and having a clear plan, at least for the 90 days, this is a big help, actually. It removes a lot of anxiety. It, it, it creates the clarity. Uh, but in terms of, in terms of like the psychological part of it, 
I would say that that meditation helped me the most lately, uh, and I and I noticed it because I'm st- I started to do transcendental meditation in February 2020, and in March there was the COVID coming, and all of our weekly meetings were fearful. You know, everybody was scared. You know, and I was kind of calm. You know, I I I, I don't know why, but I I approached uh, all the situation with, with kind of like calmness. I started to uh, write weekly newsletters to the whole team uh, like supporting them motivational even demotivational sometimes you know saying the truth uh, and uh, and and i think meditation along the way is removed a lot of this uh, anxiety that you that we have as as people especially in this situation that you are having not certain what will be there tomorrow uh, so this this would be that this would be the psychological part of of not a structure. So this is not a so, so meditation is definitely uh, or mindfulness. It's it's not a structure like EOS or like GTD, you know. So but but if you if you make a good cleanup, that's at, th- at this level, then the meditation and this mindfulness level gets I think gets much much better benefits. Sure. I, I think that maybe the one common thing between meditation and, you know, these, these kind of systems that you have is that they, they kind of give you an opportunity to step away from your thoughts because you're sort of putting it, if you're putting it in a structure, you're putting it on a page, it's not, it's not you anymore. I think there's, it's that thing of identification, right? It's like when you're in your thoughts and you're believing all the thoughts, like, and all the, so all the things about, you know, what could happen and what might go wrong and all the things that you have to do is just swirling around in your mind. And, and, and as soon as it comes up, it's like, it's real because you're sort of fully Mm -hmm. sort of involved in the thought. But if you have that process, so a process of just breaking things into categories, okay, let's just talk about this one specific aspect and write down everything that you're thinking about, you know, whatever it is, like what uh, income for the next six months or something, and you write it down, then you can actually get down on paper, all the things you're afraid of, all the things that, and, and suddenly it then becomes more objective because you're just looking at basically facts, right? Or things that are no longer in your mind, they're just things you can look at. And I think that's what meditation does really well too, is it's sort of, it's kind of like, giving yourself permission to not believe every single thought, right? It's giving you a chance to just sort of like, okay, there's a thought, but I, I won't, I won't jump on that train. I'll just sort of, I'll stay at the station. Right. And the more you do that, I think the more you practice that, um, the, the easier it gets to like, to stay, stay calm, stay grounded, I suppose, in, in the face of things that might otherwise be, uh, bit scary or or whatever right right tom when you were uh talking about this like like detach yourself to your own thoughts i think uh from the neuro-linguistic programming there is this technique that walt disney was using so he was actually having three spots in his office i think so there was a spot for a dreamer and he was very good at it so he was creating the ideas he was the visionary you know then he was stepping into the position of the realist who is making things happen. So, so, so really making the plan actually. So not having the vision is the first thing then having the plan. And then the third position that, that we all uh, need to step in and is probably the most uncomfortable one to be the criti- critic mm. who, who evaluates and refines what, what the dreamer and realist came, came uh, with. And then you just rotate and, and come and, and, and make it, uh, make it uh, as long as you, you think that there is some, something to, to 
to discuss or to think about in between yourself to uh, to fine tune the idea until it's very, very good and very vital. That's so good. Yeah, it's I I love that 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 thing, the critic thing is is huge. I think because because I, I think it's something that we all struggle with this thing of the inner critic, right? Like just sort of you know negative self talk and sort of beating ourselves up. But there is like a use to it, right? But the, because the problem with with general like self-talk is it's, it's kind of unconscious. It's that it, it goes back to, I think, again, to that thing of like, if everything's just swirling around in your mind and you're not, and you're not sort of differentiating between what parts of your mind, what part, cause it's actually, and you can even like, you know, brain scans, they can like point out parts of your brain that are firing. Right. So it's literally different parts of your brain that are kind of activating and just doing what they do for whatever evolutionary purpose that is, is developed. Right. And but that critic can be really valuable. The critic is actually the thing that has kept us alive as a species because it's the thing that says, like, you know, don't walk into that cave because there might be a tiger in there, right? Like, so we, we kind of owe our life to that that really skeptical voice. But when it's not sort of, uh, I guess, when when we give it kind of free reign, it just runs around and just tells tells you everything sucks, right? And then that feel makes you feel like crap. But if you can actually give it a putting it consciously, you know, using it as part of your process, like that Walt Disney thing is brilliant because you're giving it like, it's, it's always going to be there, but you're giving it like a practical use and you're saying, and you're putting it within a framework that says, okay, we're just going to focus on this particular idea. It's not like, we're not going to judge. I'm not going to judge myself as a person, you know, my worth, because that's kind of what it does. If you leave it alone, it'll just judge anything and everything. But you just like, say, okay, I'll put this critic to work and I'll put it on this idea. And now I want you to find all the things that are wrong with this before I do it. And then it's like, saves you, could save you years of work and heartache. Right. So, so it's like, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really like, really useful sort of uh, idea or, or exercise, I think, to work with that critic. I, I want to respect your time and, and I think maybe we should start wrapping up. But before we go, I, I, I want to ask you about creativity. I would love to get your perspective on, on like what creativity means to you. I think creativity for me is, uh, is actually about finding the better version of yourself or maybe the better version of the world around you. Uh, and I love changes. Uh, I love to have different brain inputs somehow, you know, so, so that's why I travel a lot. I love traveling. I love, love to get out of my comfort zone. I love to brainstorm I, or mind map. Uh, and, and I think, I, I don't know if there is kind of like the, the higher purpose. So, so we, we are, as, as a humankind, we are becoming better and better by creative work. We certainly are, but I don't know where, where this goes. Maybe, maybe it's the, maybe we will self-destruct at some point. Uh, but I can, I can wrap up with uh, one of my favorite quotes that is from uh, Robert F. Kennedy, the uh, American sen senator, the, the brother of President John F. Kennedy. And he said, uh, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask, why not? And this became kind of like my motto of, uh, in, in my life that is really trying to put into perspective things that are not there yet and, uh, and uh, with, the, with the belief that they will create a better world around us. Awesome. I love that. Well, I, I think that's a great place to leave it. So uh, 
yeah thanks thanks so much man it's been a it's been a great chat thanks so much for taking the time thank you very much tom it was my pleasure and uh yeah until last time If you'd like to learn more about Dominic, you can connect with him on LinkedIn by searching his name, Dominic Orphanus. And if you'd like to learn more about the entrepreneurial operating system, you can go to their website at eosworldwide.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Creative Weirdo. If you'd like to stay informed about future episodes of the podcast and you'd like a little bit of weekly weirdness in your inbox, then you can go and sign up for my newsletter at tomcrate.com forward slash hello. And I'd love to hear from you too. Shoot me a message. What's your hidden superpower that maybe even you didn't know about? And how are you going to unleash it on the world? (laughs) 